Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Deuce Podcast. With me, your co-host, Ahmed Osman. The reason I say co-host is because I'm joined by my good friend, Misha Mitov. The reason we're here is to talk all things tennis. So let's get straight to it. Misha, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Yes, I'm good. The very first episode. Excited? Yeah, very excited. You? Yeah, more excited than you, I guess. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> I am it's, excited. It's been yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. We've been trying to plan this, and obviously the first episode is now you know up and running, and um, we should we should really be excited because end of the year now, end of the season. Next season is going to be a pretty big year. A lot of um, injuries the past year, so they're going to come back, and it's going to be very very good to look forward to it is very true it was a very very interesting season in my opinion so I'm there a lot to review yeah for sure um, without further ado do you want to get to the news so um, producer let's get to the news France built Belgium to, be, to win the Davis Cup for the first time in 16 years the yeah. French won their 10th title in Lille France this weekend that was amazing wasn't it yeah it, it was, was pretty good do you know what I'm so happy for France and I'm so happy for some of the players that are in that in that team um, especially Luca Puy who um, had an amazing moment for himself and uh, obviously had the glory moment he did yeah he was playing incredible tennis but I also have to say that Gav- David Goffin oh. what a player oh I feel so sorry for him we, we were speaking after the ATP finals obviously he was looking forward to um, we saw the interview together he was looking forward to the Davis Cup finals he looked very optimistic even after losing that final mm-hmm. to Dimitrov but we'll get to that later let's get to yeah. let's get to the next piece of news Kei Nishikori hoping for a strong 2018 season return the Japanese who missed the second part of the season hopes to make a great comeback in Brisbane where he lost in the final against Grigor Dimitrov he said I can't say away when I'll heal from my injury so I'm trying not to rush anything I'm aiming for the Brisbane International but it could be February or even March who knows I want to make sure I'm in top 4 when I'm back on tour so I'm in a position to win a Masters or a Grand Slam title what do you think Ahmed? oh man Kei Nishikori do you know what he is actually a very consistent player in my opinion one of the nicest people on tour. He is, yeah. He's um he's a great player and obviously got the weapons to trouble any player on his day. So um no Kane Shakuri, I think um going into next year he'll really have um aims, especially with some of the, as we mentioned before, some of the injuries that have happened to the top players like Novak and, and Andy. He's he's really on the same level at the moment in terms of preparing to get back to form and back to tennis. So he really needs to take that step and hopefully get back into the top five. We'll see him up there very soon, I guess. Yeah, hopefully he will get in top next year yeah let's get to the next piece of news Andy Murray's management company to develop future baristas three-time Grand Slam champion served his own management group called 77 Sports Management for BBC Sport he said that they've looked at a number of different sports the former world number one already signed with twin sprinters Shannon and Cherise Hilton and fellow tennis player 17 year old Aidan McHugh all right. Well, um, that came as a bit of a surprise. It to was be a surprise, yeah. Um, but it's good that Andy's trying to help out with British sport in general. Um, but in a way, I feel it's a bit strange. Uh, there, there are positives that come from it, but shouldn't he be focusing on his own tennis and his own recovery? I think that he's a professional. He can focus on many things. You know, I mean, the thing with Andy is that he's such a star in, in Great Britain. He's such an icon for British tennis. Yeah. So um. 
I applaud his. By the way, he wasn't. He didn't make the sports. Um, he didn't. But he hasn't played since uh, Wimbledon. Yeah, I would have been very, very shocked to see him on that list. Yeah. Um, and I think many people would have something to say um, in terms of that. So, that's that being said, obviously I did say I'm a bit confused because he should be focusing on his tennis, and next year is quite important to him. But if he's going to help British sport, then what's the problem? Next piece of news, please. <laughs> Former world number four Yelena Dokic said that her father put her through hell during her tennis career. The Australian who played semi-finals at Wimbledon launched her book Unbreakable this month in which she spoke about her abusive father. What do you think about this, Sam? It was such a story a couple of weeks ago. God, it, it, it keeps... There are, there are stories that keep coming back to parents and um, them forcing their, team, their, their sons and daughters to um, be the best that they can quite forcefully and there are a lot of tennis players that have come out in the past to say that they didn't want to be in tennis they didn't want to play in tennis and have a career in tennis because it's not something that they wanted to do and I think with her it, it feels that way a little bit um, and sometimes I think parents don't get the message of you know let the let, let the son and daughter decide what they want to do and if yeah. they do get into tennis then don't don't be too forceful and that's one of the problems that we have when parents um obviously take things a bit too forcefully um, but what do you think? I think that becoming a professional tennis player is very, very difficult. Yeah. And you need you need parents, you need a good manager, a good coach, and uh, sometimes the pressure is too much. Yeah. Well, you, you did say parents are a vital factor in something like that. You need uh, the funding from your parents and, and the money that, that they obviously... Um, Give give to coaches and and to training and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, of course, you do need your parents, but maybe don't be too forceful next time. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get to the next piece of news. The last piece of news for today is Victoria Zarenka split with Michael George this week. Joyce, who is Sharapova's former coach, is rumored to be working with Joanna Conta next year. The American released a statement saying that he's he respects her decision to put her family first. Oh well, um. We, we, I think we spoke about this actually because um, not many people would know but we did have a little bit of a, a could I say an audition before our podcast we had a little you chat about this yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah we had a little a bit testing. of practice a little yeah. test yeah and we, and, and we spoke about that actually before um, th- that episode probably won't, uh, won't be posted on our Twitter page um, but um, yeah I think my producer just saying goodbye out there. Um, he's got to go and get some lunch, which is quite interesting. Oh, yeah, so he's he's off. But anyway, let's back to the point. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good move from from Johanna Conta. I think we spoke about this. We said that Johanna's had a brilliant year and it's a breakthrough year. And we spoke about the WTA and the players that they have um, on that WTA list that are very inconsistent in the top ten. And uh, she can really do some damage if she's able to be more consistent. Um, a problem with her is she's she plays one good tournament and not so good the, uh, the next tournament after that. So if she's able to improve some of her weapons, because she's very solid on both both sides, she's able to improve that. We know she's very good mentally, and um, yeah, I, I I'm really hopeful that she'll she'll really break through into that top five and and hopefully cause those top top players some issues. Do you think that Conda can win a Grand Slam in the future? Yeah, well, she, well, do you know what? I I, th- I think she'll she'll definitely have another good run. She obviously reached semi final um, in Wimbledon. Wimbledon, and I'm sure she went quite deep in Australian Open as well. She did, yeah. Um, and and um, she's she's a solid player. My worry is this is when players are quite inconsistent at the top. And when Serena comes back, 
then uh, I don't think you're gonna get so so as many opportunities as you as you just did this year. So Serena's coming back. By the way, great news for her mm-hmm. uh, giving birth to her. Congratulations! Yes, her baby. Also, it's amazing to see, and she, what an amazing athlete um, she is. An amazing player, probably one of um, the, the best, the greats for sure. So yeah, just back to Conta. I'm really hopeful she'll do very well. What do you think? I think that she has all the thing, all the skills to win a Grand Slam in the future. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. When, you, when, you, when you have good results, when you reach the second week of a Grand Slam, people expect a lot. Mm. So you need to step up. Exactly. I, I, but I do think that she could win. I'm sorry. I, I do think she could win Grand Slam in the future. And I do think she could win Wimbledon because she's... The fans you know, are right behind she, her. The fans are right behind her, yeah. It's, and you got the British support, so she hasn't. She, she isn't. Let's let's be honest. She isn't the the best player on tour, by any means of the imagination. But she needs to start to make those strides, and maybe the change of manager of coach, sorry, will be able to to really make that gap a bit smaller. Because this is a this is a this is a coach that's worked with Sharapova. This is a, a coach that's worked with with Azarenka. Those are two top top players, um, and will cause any player any. Uh, Big issues on any any day. So we saw Sharapova when she came back in the Australian on the in the U.S. Open. Apologies, um, and she wasn't ranked, and she caused Halep big big issues, and, and she beat round. her. Yeah. yeah, and she beat her. So um, he's worked with some of the highest players uh, in terms of quality and 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 mental toughness, and and those are the players you 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 mention when we talk top top players: Azarenka, Sharapova, Serena. So. Um, she's got the, the right the right coach to help her through, um, and obviously he won't be working with Azarenka. He'll be working with Conter only. So she's got him all for herself. For herself, hopefully she returns back to winning ways. Can I ask you a question? Yes. When it comes to the top ten in women's tennis, yeah. how much do you think is the is there a difference between let's say number one and number nine? Because I do think my opinion is that they're very equal. Yeah. And the thing with women's tennis, well, one of the reasons why it's so interesting is very unpredictable. Yeah, I, I I think when when it comes to women's tennis, they it, it's very close in terms of uh, um, quality, and and we we saw it many times. Uh, if you look at the rankings, for example, Simona Halep, Muguruza, Wozniacki, Pliskova, Venus Williams, and Elena Vitolina and Yelena Ostapenko are the uh, top seven. All right, those when they played um, in the WTA finals in Singapore, we saw. The, the levels of inconsistency. For example, Elena Svitolina on her day would beat most of those players. She has the ability to beat some most of these players. Um, Karolina Pliskova, she's another big serving um, Czech who, who um, unlike her sister, is very consistent. Mm-hmm. However, there is there are days and tournaments where she won't be at her best. And that's the issue we have with some of these players. The levels of quality aren't that big in, in between the first and for example the 10th seed the problem is is um, some of these players can't find a consistent run of form and that's why Serena Williams is such a brilliant player and so dominant in the women's game because she's able to stretch her winning streaks and, and her tournaments long uh, and make it difficult to be defeated because she's just a brilliant brilliant champion and we say it we say it every year and we say it um, um, all the time uh, the the key to to being the top of your game and the top of uh, uh, your obviously uh, when it comes to uh, men's and the women's game is a good coach which she has an amazing coach um, good weapons she can do most of things except obviously some of the defensive stuff for example the slices and etc that's not her game it's power um, and also um, a good team behind her 
uh, family, people that are going and travelling with her. So most of these girls have that. They just don't have the champion mentality that Serena has. And and, and the mentality to keep on winning and never lose. Mm. Or if you do lose, you get back and you win again. I don't think that we fully realise how great Serena is. Yeah. It's one thing like Federer, you know what I mean? You see him, you think people think it's just something that you see every day, but it's not. When When you see someone like Federer and Nadal, Serena, Venus Williams, it's incredible. Yeah, those those I don't think most people imagine how lucky we are to have those players um, and and be living in the same age and watching them play live um, uh, and winning these tournaments right now make it look so effortless. But I want to bring up the question: Is it? Um, as much as them being so amazing or is it more to the point where the challenge isn't there because we've been speaking for the past I don't know uh, maybe five six years uh, other than uh, obviously Federer Nadal Murray um, and uh, and Djokovic who has really been able to challenge them and, and really, you know, other than Vavrinka, who's been there, De here and there, and Del Potro. Del Potro, I, I, the, the thing is with Del Potro is he has the talent, and he showed us when he won the US Open, he has the talent to beat the best, but he's very one-sided. And if he's able to improve that backhand... Mm-hmm. And, uh, and be more really, consistent, be more consistent be free, injury-free, which is the exactly. most important thing for him. He's, well, he's had problems with that backhand for years. For years, uh, and he's always had injuries at the wrong time. So uh, he's such a great player and, and, and a brilliant powerhouse who who can really hit that forehand. And such a nice guy. Nice guy. He's he's a powerful guy, but very nice kind mm-hmm. guy. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so yeah, yeah, one of the problems. Yeah, go on. Especially in men's tennis, we speak about the top four: Djokovic, Murray, Nadal, Federer. Yeah, and people say we want to see them forever. We want to watch them forever. Well, things don't work that way. Exactly. And we want to see the next generation, which is the Dimitrov, the Raonic, the Dominic Thiem, the David Goffin's generation. But the, one of the problems with them is that they had the, uh, how can I say, the chance, the unfortunate chance to to be in the same era as Federer and Nadal, especially Federer and Nadal. So people say these players are not consistent enough, which is very true. But the problem is that Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, Emory, they're just too good. Well, if you look at, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. If you look at Murray's last season, 2016, after Wimbledon, he was unbeatable. It was incredible. Yeah. If you look at Djokovic's 2015 season, when he won, what, 70, 80 matches, and he lost, what, five matches. It's incredible. Yeah. If you look at Rafa winning, winning the French Open 10 years, 10 times, I'm sorry, 10 times. Who can win the same Grand Slam ten times? It will, it will never, it will, it will, it will never be happen again. Never. I don't think that we fully understand how lucky we are to see these people right now. Okay, so so just, I'm just guessing. You don't think it's an issue with competitiveness? Do you think that they're actually that good? I think that if you're a professional, ten, if you're a top twenty, top ten player, you are competitive. Okay. And you know how to play tennis. But the problem is, the bigger guys are much much better than you. Okay. Well, all right. Well, if we're, if we're, since we're talking about men's tennis and we're talking about the lack of consistency outside the top, the big four as we know them, let's talk. All right. We'll leave the young, the youngsters. Let's leave Alexander Zverev and Dom, little Dominic team. Mm-hmm. Um, Marin Cilic. Okay. I, I know we spoke about this before um, privately uh, outside of the studio. He is another player that does not. Uh, um, achieve what he's capable of, of, of achieving 
and great serve, uh, uh, solid forehand, very solid forehand, a, a decent backhand. But he's so weak mentally. And I don't know what the issue... What, what do you think the problem is with Marin Cilic in terms of going out of this zone where he keeps losing surprisingly to actually going and challenging and knocking on the doors of your Rudgers and, and your and your uh, Raffers and, and, uh, and Novak and Andy. Those players are able to beat Marin Cilic on a consistent basis. However, Marin would always show here and there that he's able to beat them. But what do you think the issue is? I wouldn't agree 100% that he's mentally weak because to win the US Open, I mean once, but at least to win it, you have to be someone. Yeah. The problem, you're, you're very right that maybe he's not strong enough, but I wouldn't say weak. One of the biggest problems with Marin Cilic physically is his footwork, in my opinion. Okay. I think he should be much more quicker. If he becomes quicker with the forehand, he can cause a lot of damage. Yeah. But one of the problems is that he needs to work on that. And the other thing is that it's it's I I can understand how difficult it is to play against guys such as Ferran on a on a weekly basis okay. and to lose every single week. It's tough. It's very tough. Yeah. It's tough to take. It's tough to take, and he's not he's not 20. You know what I mean? He's 29, 28, something like that. And that's another thing. His and age. That's thing. He's losing. He's, he's a little bit like Thomas yeah. Burdich. Oh, Thomas Burdich. One. It, Thomas Burdich is like. He's your favorite. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how I feel about Thomas Burdich, but I won't. I, I won't. I won't talk about um, Thomas Burdich because he, he's. He's how do I say this in in a way? He's not vital for what we're talking about right now because Thomas Burdich is someone that's always been near about top top five, top six, but hasn't been able to beat Novak. Novak always, I think always, always, right? Always. I I I've never seen Thomas Burdich beat Novak Djokovic. He might have. He might have. I'm, I'm pretty sure he might have beat him a couple of times or he might have been two sets up here and there uh, in the, the Grand Slam yeah but even even in the juniors but he, he he can't reach that level sometimes I think okay maybe he's just very consistent however maybe you're not just not good enough he's just not good enough because he's had opportunities he's, he's up 30 now how old, how old is he Thomas Burdich let's have a look I think he's 30 yeah he's 32 he's, he's 32 years old you, you probably think his opportunities there are gone in terms of actually challenging because what is he ranked right now he's ranked 19th 20th 19th yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, so one of the things with Thomas is that he he can reach the second week of a Grand Slam easily after that maybe he's just not he's not good enough he's, he, he, I'll, give, I'll give him in terms of consistency he's, he's one of he the he is consistent in yeah. the past five years he's one of the best play, uh, best men's players on tour in terms of consistency let, let me ask you a question as, lo- as soon as you reach the top 10 people usually get more hungry yeah. and they want to win they want to win big titles so when you reach the top 10 for the first time I don't know when maybe it was 2010 after Wimbledon when he reached the semi-finals if I remember or yeah. the final you want to win more what happens how do you push yourself so much so that you can win Masters and reach more Grand Slam finals, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, well, do you know what? I, I, I really want to discuss this, and maybe we'll do another episode next week mm-hmm. where we'll discuss this in depth. However, we really should be getting to the Davis Cup. Of course. Um, and what a Davis Cup tie that was. The final was absolutely brilliant. And what a moment for France and for French tennis. Probably one of the biggest moments in French tennis in terms of the drought and, and how long they hadn't been able to, to challenge in the Davis Cup. Um, and when you talk French team, you talk 
at players that are, are very solid and are uh, uh, make themselves uh, felt in the, in the ATP rankings. They're they're all over the place in the ATP rankings. You're talking Monfils, you're talking Tonga, Lucas Pui, Gasquet, Gasquet. That's a good. That's some really good players. And and. Look at Pui as well. Pui, yeah, I've mentioned um, the main man. The main man. Well, the main <laughs> man when it came to the to winning the, the Davis Cup. So, I want to ask you quickly uh, your views on that tie, and um, and why do you think the French uh, uh, French tennis hasn't been able to win this uh, this cup in recent seasons? In recent seasons, first of all, French tennis has a lot of history. They have they have a lot of champions. When it comes to the drought and everything, I'm not quite sure what to say. But when it comes to the tie with Belgium, I was really interested in looking there for a number of reasons. Number one, David Goffin. Previously, week, London, final, what a week, beating Nadal and Federer in the same week. What a player. Top 10, he, he won, I think, two titles this season. Yeah. So I, I generally expect Belgium to win the, the Davis Cup, which is, a, which is people, people were surprised by my opinion. But they haven't. <laughs> do you know what? When you did tell me that, you told me that Belgium was going to win, I said you're having a laugh because um, I think when it comes to players, Tsonga's one of the best for the moment, I think. Tsonga, he's another player that we were mentioning before that hasn't really been able to get onto that top the five the Tonga the Chilch the Burditch the Burditch there's a little group that can't but <laughs> just moving on I think obviously uh, um, Tonga did have a medical timeout he was he, 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 he was feeling something he wasn't feeling well or 100% um, and we all know Goffin and Tonga are very good mates of each other and there was a good they exchange they speak the same language of course yeah well, good. and, and Fr- France and Belgium are not far away they're neighbours yeah and, and you know they see uh, I think most players are very good, get very good friends on tour anyway these these are players that train and hit together they play they, they, they try around together um, and so um, it was good to see that that exchange at the net um, but I wasn't surprised by the by the by the, the by the result I, I fully expected Goffin who's been playing great tennis including in the ATP Tour finals um, reaching the final very surprisingly um, and losing to uh, your uh, very good uh, should I say friend <laughs> or your country, your, your country my countryman your countryman, fellow countryman yeah fellow countryman um you may see in future episodes a little bit of bias uh, towards Grigor Dimitrov <laughs> because of um, Misha's uh, love for him. However, um, getting back to the point, it was great to see David Goffin make that win. And actually, he left it to uh, uh, Steve Darcy, yeah. who has a brilliant uh, Davis Cup record. Um, and you, you expected a good match going into that fifth and final uh, um, uh, match. I... The thing is that I remember the Davis Cup tie between Team GB and Belgium two years ago, 2015, yeah. in Belgium. I remember Steve Darcy and how good he was. Yeah. So I expected a little bit more from him because he was 2-2, it was on the same day. I mean, he watched Goffin winning yeah. in the same day. He should have so been... He should have been much more motivated, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. But Luka was just, was just way, way better than him. It's true. We, we we will talk in depth to Jose uh, Jose Morgado, who who is coming on uh, the podcast today. I will talk to him. Um, it will be a bit later on in the show. However, um, just to get back, we are talking about the last day. We're not talking about the first day, um, only because I missed it. Unfortunately, I apologize. I, I had some things to do. However, I did watch the final day, um, and it is safe to say that. Like I mentioned before, well, the atmosphere. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, a lot, a lot of people in that stadium. Uh, it was France's tenth uh, title. 
Yeah, Davis Cup title. First in 16 years. First in 16 years. That's a long time. And I, I think the last one was in, in Australia. Against yeah. Australia, yeah. yeah. 2001. Yes, there you go. Um, but yeah, great moment. Luca, Luca Pui. What does this mean to Luca, Pui's, uh, Luca Pui as, as in his career itself? Because we will ask our, our tennis expert, Jose, later. But what do you think it means for him and, and moving on uh, into next season? Luca Boy has always been one of those guys who you just know that they can do something. Yeah. I remember watching him against Nadal in the U- at the US Open. I think it was 2016 yeah. when he beat him in the fourth round. And I do remember that after the season he traded with Federer in Dubai. So he's someone who's been with the top players. He, he's yeah. someone who finally, in my opinion, stepped up this season. He won a couple of titles and he managed to win the Davis Cup for his country. Mm. When it comes to Luca Boy. I don't. I don't think he could win a Grand Slam title, but I do think he could. In the future, a, no. No, I don't. I don't believe that. But I do believe he can be a top ten player. It's tough to see at the moment, isn't it? It's tough to see because everything's so unpredictable with everything. Women's tennis, men's tennis, yeah. any, anything can happen. But my opinion is that it'll be, you know, it'll be very difficult for him. He he is um he is he's only twenty three. Um, he is young, yeah. He's only 23, um, and uh, it's a big moment for him. It was a huge moment for him to see him uh, play that huge match. Because it, let's be honest, it so was, much pressure, uh, so much pressure on his shoulders. Um, and uh, uh, when you do say, "I won't see him," you you don't think you see him win a Grand Slam? Maybe see, maybe seeing him win a Grand Slam at the moment looks tough. However. We've seen players uh, reach big, big heights um, later on in their career. Uh, who would have thought Kevin Anderson would have would have uh, got into a final of a Grand Slam? Another good example is Vavrinka. Yeah, Vavrinka. See, it's another another player that I, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, uh, in next season. He's obviously rehabilitating. Um, I, I I've been looking at his Snapchats. He looks like he's a he's in good shape and, and he's and he's, he's training now. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited by his return. He we all know that he loves the Australian Open. He does. Yeah. Um, First Grand Slam title. There, it's a special I guess place. No doubt. I exactly. remember. So we we will be talking um, in depth. Uh, um, when, when it comes to the Davis Cup with, with our tennis expert as I mentioned before um, so yeah it, it, it was a really good time any last words about the time? It was it was just a very dramatic three days in France yeah yeah very dramatic like I said I expected Belgium to win but then of course my respect I'm very happy that France won as well because they deserved it they were the better team and yeah. especially Tsonga very consistent very very consistent I'm very surprised yeah. with him yeah well I think he did have a little bit of an injury so uh, he did yeah let's, let's cut him some slack <laughs> anyway let's get to our guest um, hopefully we will be chatting to him right after this welcome back everyone yes so we've got a very special guest on the line a, a record journalist and uh, a very good journalist in my opinion um, we've got Jose Morgado on the line Jose how are you Hey, I'm fine. I'm great. Um, thank, you. thank you so much for the invite. Oh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's our pleasure to have you on. Um, so, yeah, obviously a very, very uh, dramatic weekend uh, of tennis. Uh, the Davis Cup uh, came to an end with France winning. And um, safe to say they were very, very ecstatic about it. And w- what were your views on, on, on uh, all the matches and, and how it ended? I think, like, France started as a favourite and I think that, that the winner was the expected one because they have more depth on their team, a lot of good players, like France is at the moment one of the countries with more players on top 100, on top 200, they, they have really many options, great doubles players as well. 
but uh, we really had a good final, I guess. Uh, getting the winner on the fifth rubber was good for the competition, good for the final. We really didn't have one great match because I think David Goffin was fantastic in both of his matches and he pretty much beat uh, Puil and Songa easily. And then Steve Darcy is really... Uh, really didn't play his best tennis. He, he played some great Davis Cup tennis in the past, but this time that just didn't happen. So the doubles match ended up to being decisive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and Gasquet played well together, but uh, Belgium had a chance, had searched for the third set, I believe, and then lost that set. And that doubles match ended up being decisive because Goffin was great, but Steve Darcy really couldn't make any damage against the French players. Okay, well, um, I do want to talk about Steve Darcy because um, he's got a brilliant uh, Davis Cup record um, specifically, and uh, he's not, you know, you're, you're the best player in the world, let's be honest. However, he do, he is able to really uh, uh, come to light when it comes to the Davis Cup. Do you think um, that he, he it was his match that probably let Belgium down a little bit in terms of uh, the, the whole tie itself? Yeah, for sure. He really didn't play his best. I don't think he was physically uh, all right. I think that that he he, he was in poor form. But I I think he, he was not at one hundred percent because he really looked off doing both matches. Yeah. Especially against against uh, Luca Puil, he was completely blown off. The third set was non-existent. Uh, I'm not sure if if the the other two players from Belgium uh, were in better shape. I mean, they didn't play too bad in doubles. Probably if Dafis uh, told his his captain that he was ready to play that that match, but he really looked off. I, I mean, he's not that player. Okay. Obviously, he was not the favorite for both uh -huh. matches, but he was completely destroyed in both. So it was surprising for me how poor he played because he usually is a better player, especially a better um, Davis Cup player. And and yet he, he had some good wins in the past against big players, beating Rafael Nadal in at Wimbledon. So I don't think it was the occasion that that make him play that bad. I think he was just in poor form, probably not not uh, perfect physically. Okay, well you you mentioned Luca Pui, um, obviously the man of the moment when it came to winning that final match and and securing the Davis Cup. What do you what does this mean to Luca Pui for his career? Uh, only 23 years old, um, and and obviously being the owner of that amazing moment for, for French tennis in general. Uh, what does this mean to, for Luca Pui in his career and going forward into the next season? Yeah, I think it can mean a lot because he really had such an up and down season this year. He, I, I expected probably a bit more uh, from him in, in, in this year. I think he won like four titles. He won titles in many different surfaces on grass and clay and on hard courts indoor. But on, on the big tournaments, he really didn't show up. Uh, and I believe in terms of confidence that this can be a, a very good boost for him because I believe that, that the decision of Yannick Noah uh, choosing Gasquet over Mahout, it was, uh, it was 
probably to put Gasquet on an eventual fifth rubber, but but uh, but Gasquet was not, uh, was not right physically with the problem on his back, and and so Luca had to play that that fifth that fifth rubber played great, really rose to the occasion, and and it was it was great for him because in the past we 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 saw with many players that winning the Davis Cup in the previous year can can make you start the next year really well. I remember like Novak Djokovic when he won the Davis Cup. He, then he played the best year of his life in, in, in 2011, like winning the first 40 matches of the season. So it can be great for Puyol. We will we'll know like in, in one or two months, but I think it can do good things for him. Hi, Josie. The other co-host, Misha. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about David Goffin. Obviously, he had a pretty good end of the season. Unfortunately, he lost, uh, you know, the Belgium. He he lost the Davis Cup and he lost against Grigor Dimitrov for the ATP Finals. What do you think the future holds for the Belgium? Well, I think he, he had a pretty surprising end of the year because he, he really deserved to qualify for the ATP Finals, but he looked. Uh, injured in the end of the season, he really never looked like he recovered from the injury he had at Roland Garros. But then he played great against Nadal. He played great against um, Federer, obviously. And then even in the final, he, he had chances to to win the ATP Finals. That and that would be amazing. And then in the Davis Cup, he was the best player. He was like the MVP. But you can't you can really win a Davis Cup alone because. Uh, especially when you are not a great doubles player, and David played like three doubles matches all here, and and, and really didn't show up. I, I don't think it would be a great idea to put him in doubles, but but yeah, he ended up great. I think if he keeps uh, if he keeps up with this kind of tennis, mm-hmm. he can he can play pretty well at the start of the season already. He made quarterfinals at the Australian Open uh, in uh, this year, so. Uh, I I think he he will he will have a good top ten season and and he can win good uh, big titles. He oh. was at the final of of the of the ATP finals, so so he can obviously fight for every title at the moment. I I totally agree with you. Um, going into the, obviously the it's a, the season's obviously finished, so we're going to go into Brisbane very soon. A lot of players uh, are returning, um, and uh, I think most tennis fans are very excited to hear about the returns uh, very soon of Andy and, and Novak and and uh, Milos Raonic. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you about the upcoming Australian Open. Uh, there's going to be a lot of chances going into that. And in a way, it could be slightly unpredictable to to, to know who's going to be uh, in the latter stages of that tournament. But I wanted to know your views. How important is Brisbane, Brisbane to some of these returning players? And who are your frontrunners for the Australian Open? Yeah, I think it will be very exciting. Just like last year when we had Federer as the 17th seed and completely in a tough position of the draw and Nadal coming back as well, I think the situation maybe it's even more more interesting now because we have uh, Djokovic and Murray and Nishikori and Vavrinka maybe uh, if, if he's ready, uh, Raonic all with, with uh, low seeding, so it's going to be interesting in terms of the draw. The first week will be very interesting. I think obviously the the first two tournaments before the Australian Open will be important, uh, like like they are um, every year because it, it really the the the, fall, the 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 first weeks of the year are, are very important for every player. But obviously, especially for for these couple of players that didn't play didn't play much in the the second half. Australian Open will be important, obviously, to have a good lead up. 
uh, in Brisbane, uh, Djokovic is playing though, obviously, and and I think Nishikori is, play, is planning to play two tournaments if he, if he is he recovered from the wrist injury. I think at the moment for the Australian Open, Federer and Nadal are still the, the two favorites. Federer obviously defending the title. The, the, the courts at the Australian Open were really fast last year. We were told that they, are, they will be still at the same speed uh, for the next year. So I think Ferris starts as a favorite. Obviously, he won a lot of titles this year, especially on art Court playing great. But obviously, I expect big things from Djokovic, especially from Djokovic. I think he will come back strong. Uh, about Handy, I liked what I, uh, what I saw uh, uh, about Handy on his exhibition with Federer in Glasgow. Yeah. So I think they will come back strong. Probably not as strong as Federer won his first Grand Slam when coming back, but I think they will do great. I want to ask you specifically about Djokovic and Murray. Do you think it's possible that they can win Grand Slams to, uh, the next year? I think so. I, I, th- I think they, they obviously they have to be ready physically, but I believe they, they, will, they will have a chance. Obviously, Djokovic always played incredibly at the Australian Open. We, we need to know if he's ready, like he's practicing for just for two weeks, start practicing two weeks ago. So, so it, it's, it's really, we need, first we need to see how, how his level is, but they are legends of the game, especially Djokovic won so many times in Australia, won Wimbledon, won the US Open, won Roland Garros, I think. They, they all had chances on, on every Grand Slam, but, but we really need to, to attest what, what their level are at the moment. But I think they can win Grand Slam. Obviously, they will be on the, on the list of favorites to win Grand Slams. We saw with Roger Federer at 35, at 36, we can, we can just count, off the, count them off. Count them, because they, they won it and they did it so many times that obviously they are, they are capable of doing it again. So, but we, we need to see which kind of level they are, if they are physically ready. I think that, that the, they will be really physically ready when they come back because if they were so many months off, it, it was to make sure that when they come back, they are, they are ready. One more person that we need to speak about is Grigor Dimitrov. Obviously, he had a very good season. He won the ATP Finals. He's won number, world number three. Do you think it's possible that he fulfills his talent and wins a Grand Slam in the next year or in the next two years? Yes, I think it, it, at, at least it needs to be his goal at the moment because after winning a Masters 1000, after winning the ATP World Tour Finals where the top eight of the year were playing, he was clearly the best player, played great tennis all week. So, you know, just have to put it together for two weeks. I mean, he was semi-finalist in Australia last year, lost in five sets to Rafael Nadal. So he looks, for me, he looks ready. He has uh, tennis for that. And physically, I think he's ready to play five sets for two weeks. But it, it needs to really click mentally in those big moments. He needs to win those big matches on, on the Grand Slams. Uh, last year he played great in Australia, then on clay it wasn't amazing. 
at the U.S. Open, it was a big, a big upset, losing to Rublev in round two, I believe, when he was uh, surely one of the favorites, and he was on a pretty um, open side of the draw and and lost lost probably a big chance there. But I mean, he's 26; he's many, he has many years um, uh, to come. But I, I think for the next year, he's one of the favorites as the world number three. He has to to believe that he can win a Grand Slam, obviously. Um, Josie, I just want to finish off finally um, with some women's tennis because I'm very interested. We were speaking very earlier uh, earlier in the show about women's tennis and how inconsistent the top tennis in terms of they're very close in terms of quality um, and um, going into Australian Open I'm guessing again it's going to be quite close without Serena um, do you think um, that there's any any player in the top 10 in the women's tennis that can take that next step and then maybe run away um, from the others or is it going to still be in the next year very close and very inconsistent in terms of who do you predict is going to win tournaments on a yearly basis yeah I I think it will be it will stay as it was this year. I, I don't think there is a, a player with with, with enough. I mean, enough level to to make to make her like have a run from the others. Obviously, Carolina Pliskova has big tennis. Garbine Muguruza, obviously, maybe is the more complete of, of her generation. She has the power. She plays great on every surface. Already two Grand Slams, but they are all so inconsistent. Uh, especially mentally, like we 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 saw with Petra Kvitova won two Wimbledons. Obviously, she had that that situation last year, but she's very inconsistent as well. Uh, Muguruza, um, Simona Halep, the more probably the more consistent player throughout the year, mm. but then she lacks. Uh, like the, the the some aggressive tennis in the big moments, a bit like Caroline Wozniacki, we, we still uh, we, we need to win a slam as well. Won the WTA finals was great for for her, but I don't think there is a player who can be very dominant for the next year. Mm. Uh, at least a player that is not named Serena Williams. Plays the level the level. I believe she will she will she will come back to play because she will she will not come back she will not come back to play to to be one more i think she will she will come back to win more grand slams be the, the the world number one or to be close to that but i believe that she's still the best player we'll obviously need to to see how, how she comes back i don't i don't think i don't think she will come back if she's still out, out of shape for the australia she's still in doubt but I think if she, if she plays, she's the favorite. <laughs> like <laughs> we, we many times in the past, we we had to to understand that she's really on, on another level. I think Venus was amazing last year as well. But but it, it's it's tough for her to repeat what she did in in twenty in twenty seventeen because she she made two grand two grand slams for the grand slam final and not a semi final. But I think I think nobody can be as dominant as Serena or close to that. I'm very curious to see how Serena will come back. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely astonished that uh, even so that someone's gone through a pregnancy and then returning and they still be the favourite for a Grand Slam. But um, Jose, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, today. It's been great talking to you and, and hopefully uh, we'll speak to you very soon, maybe much closer to Australian Open, but I wish you the best of luck in the future. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, thank Jose. Thank you, guys. Thank Good you. Luck Take for care. Your, your show. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, well that's uh, that's um, Jose. Uh, some interesting points he, he made, uh, especially on women's tennis. I was. Uh, he did, yeah. Um, 
but that's another show. Um, I'm, uh, well, not another. I think it's the first one, actually. <laughs> I'm getting a bit carried away by myself here. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we, we made some good points today. I think uh, he certainly gave us a lot of ideas. Yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, good points he made about women's uh, the women's um, WTA, and I think we probably need to talk to him a bit more going uh, nearer to the Australian Open. And I'm I'll, sure we will. There's back a lot in the future of, with him. Yeah. Th- yeah. There's a lot of um, um, players that I, I really want to discuss with him. We, did, we forgot to discuss Johanna Conta. Uh, uh, Yelena Ostapenko, who, who who is amazing, by the way. What a lovely talent. She is amazing, she is. yeah. She is a very big talent. Only 18? The way she won the French Open. Wow. Wow. Yes, exactly. It was amazing. Simona the Halep final won. against Harvey, yeah. It's just S- incredible. S- Simona Halep will want to watch that final again, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's one show. Uh, um, in the bag. In the bag. And, and hopefully we'll be seeing you guys next week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I, I'm, I'm, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know about you. I loved it. Okay. It was wonderful. Well, um, We'll, we'll see you next week and, and thank you so much for joining us here on the Juice Podcast. Uh, episodes one out of the way. We'll see you in episode two.